Our scripture lesson this morning is again from the book of Isaiah, from the ninth chapter. Isaiah is prophesying a very dark and gloomy period of Israel's history. Israel's enemies have the upper hand, and it appears to them that all is lost. God, it seems, has abandoned the people uh, once and for all. But then again, the people of Israel have been abandoning God all along, ignoring His commands, refusing to repent, going after other gods. Didn't help that they had a series of wicked, ignorant kings ruling over them. And so, all seemed very dark and hopeless indeed. But Israel, although Israel may have turned its back on God, God did not turn His back on Israel. God was about to do something amazing to rescue His people and to set the world aright. To those living in a dark land, a light is shining. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on His shoulders, and He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We are exploring the meaning of these four names in succession during Advent, and we began last week with the name Wonderful Counselor. We said Jesus was and is a wonder of a counselor because His perfect wisdom guides our steps and leads us in paths of righteousness. Without His guidance in life, we would be hopelessly confused and lost in this world. The name Wonderful Counselor is a guiding name. This morning, we take up a powerful name. This child, whom we know to be Jesus, is none other than Mighty God. In Hebrew, the name is El Gibur. El is the singular form for God. We have Elohim, God's God, El God. And, in, and, uh, and then we have Gibor in Hebrew, which means strong, mighty, powerful. It can also mean on occasion hero, warrior, champion. The word Gibor describes heroes like Nimrod, who was a mighty hunter before the Lord in uh, the book of Genesis, and the mighty warriors of King David in the book of Samuel. It's a word depicting bravery, courage, action. Mighty God is a powerful name. The birth of a child who is mighty God is incredibly good news for those who are feeling weak and powerless, demoralized, and defeated in life. But you have to wonder, in fact, I was wondering as I was thinking about this message, it's so, it seems so strange and out of place that the one who is called mighty God should come into the world as a weak, helpless child. He did not come, after all, as a conquering hero or warrior, as His name would indicate and as we would expect, but He came as a baby in a manger. The carol, What Child Is This?, captures our perplexity. Why lies He in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? 
Max Lucado, who is a well-known Christian writer, remarks, he came not as a flash of light or as an unapproachable conqueror, but as one whose first cries were heard by a peasant girl and a sleepy carpenter. The hands that first held him were unmanicured, calloused, and dirty. No silk, no ivory, no party, no hoopla. Oh, but what power was in that little child. We cannot fully comprehend it. Think about it. It blows your mind every year. You know, it's like pondering infinity. God in a manger. The one who created the sun, the moon, set the stars in their courses, was found in a, in a rude stable among some barnyard animals. The one who created all things entered his creation as a helpless babe. A baby, yes. But that little one possessed far more power than King Herod or Caesar Augustus or all the kings that have ever ruled. He's able to turn darkness into light. He's, over, he's able and shall overcome evil with good. He shall conquer sin and death, and all God's people shall have a share in His victory, and He will do it His way according to His timetable. But the mighty God, the God of hosts, is with us, and this news should fill us with joy and confidence as we fight life's battles. We do indeed have a champion who goes before us. And as the Apostle Paul says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? The good news is that Jesus is mighty God. All is not lost after all. He has not abandoned us. Jesus is the mighty God and therefore more powerful than anyone can imagine. And yet, to be honest, this news doesn't always register. In our darkest moments, we often give in to cynicism and despair, and we become timid in our discipleship. We may look around and, and we may see precious little evidence that mighty God is at work. Like despairing Israel of old, it may seem that at times, God has abandoned the world and has abandoned you and me. There was a, a major typo once appeared in the printed program of a very important performance of Handel's Messiah. The words were in the bulletin, and so a line that was supposed to read, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth read instead, the Lord God omnipotent resigneth. <laughs> Apparently, it was a mistake. But maybe it was the work of a cynical printer who was convinced that God had given up on the world. You and I can feel that way sometimes, can't we? 
When our lives get very dark, I know a lot of you have been through some very dark times recently, and we wonder, well, okay, where did this mighty God go? I mean, is this mighty God not so mighty? Is God powerless to do anything about this world? So I imagine that at times, you and I are not unlike John the Baptist in uh, disillusionment. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, mentions John's perplexity and his disappointment at the Messiah's seeming inaction. So Matthew writes, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Because you see, just weeks before he baptized Jesus, in fact, at the time of his baptism, Jesus pointed to him as the one, the strap of whose sandals he was not worthy to untie. John the Baptist said, hey, here's the one who was God's beloved son, the long-awaited-for Messiah, so that John knew the time had come, and John rejoiced in his heart. And then Jesus began his public ministry. But now he found himself in prison awaiting execution. Herod, the wicked king, was still on the throne. The Romans were still in control of the country, and it caused John to wonder. So what's going on, Jesus? Where is this new world? Where is this kingdom you're supposed to bring in? Are you the mighty warrior, or are you not? You don't seem to be playing your part. You're not exercising your power. You ought to be our conquering hero. You ought to be leading us in our cause, wiping out the Romans. And yet here you are, you're going out all the time, and you're having a party, you're having parties, and you're laughing all the time, and you, you preach these sermons about love, and, and yet nothing seems to have changed. And John says, well, why, and why do I find myself in jail? <laughs> Is this the thanks I get? Are you really the one, Jesus, or, or sh would we better look for another? And again, maybe you have feelings like that. I know that I do. Uh, whether we're looking at the state of the world or looking at the circumstances of our own lives, we wonder if, man, there really is a God who cares about us and who has power to save us. If you, Lord, are mighty God, then why does nothing seem to change? Why do the same old troubles and problems plague me? Why do I see so little evidence of your power? Indeed, if Jesus is the Messiah, the mighty God Himself, why hasn't He fully transformed the world and our lives? If Christ is the Redeemer, then why is everything seemingly so unredeemed? And you know what? It's an honest question. It's a fair question. We ask it in our humanness. Clearly, the Lord is not finished with us yet. And as I say, God has His own way of working according to His own timetable, and His ways are not our ways. But is there really 
no evidence of Jesus' mighty power at work in the world? You and I need to look around us and be a little bit more observant. In moments of disillusionment and despair, we need to open our eyes because the signs of His mighty activity are all around us. And to John, Jesus said, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. John, open your eyes. And you and I tend to focus on all that's wrong in the world and our own lives, and we dwell on all the things that are broken. But instead of looking always at the glass half empty, we need to see it as half full, actually more than half full, because look at what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. Look at the changes He has wrought, the things He has fixed, the good that has come. This world is a better place because of the advent, because of His advent, because of His coming. It's not as if He hasn't been doing anything. Think of the lives that have been changed. Has the Lord not done anything for us? Are we not different people because of Him? He gives sight to the blind. He has opened the eyes of countless millions of people to the truth about themselves, their destiny, their worth, their potential, their relationship to God, and He continues to open eyes. He has healed the lame, not just the physically disabled, but those who have been disabled by life. People who are damaged and broken and bent over from all the injuries inflicted upon life's pressures and stresses and troubles and heartaches and all those injuries due to our own poor choices. He continues to heal, enabling people to walk strong and tall. He's cleansed the lepers, not just those who literally have the disease, but also those who are diseased on the inside by sin and its effects. He still cleanses the spiritually diseased, offering forgiveness and setting people free. He's opened the ears of the deaf so that those who were unable to hear the good news of God's love now are free to listen and to respond. And lives continue to be changed as people hear the gospel word. He's raised the dead, and today continually, He continually raises the spiritually dead. So who says there are no signs of God's, of, of, of the Lord's mighty power in the world? We need to open our eyes and look around us, be a little bit more observant. But you and I not only need to open our eyes to see the mighty God at work in Jesus, but we need to look up and expand our vision of just how great and awesome our Lord is. Do we have any realization of just how immeasurably powerful Jesus is? I think we think too little of our Lord. We are people of low expectations. We make Him out to be too small. We doubt His power is sufficient for us. And so we cower before evil, 
We are filled with anxiety and fear. We shrink in our tasks to share the gospel. Christian people hide in their churches and hope that evil will somehow just go away magically and that the world will finally come to its senses. It's no wonder the church today is so ineffective and so powerless, lifeless. We think too small of Jesus. Now, I heard a speaker just the other day that says the reason why we followers of Jesus are so easily discouraged is that we suffer from a disease. It's called Little Jesus Syndrome. Little Jesus Syndrome. Hang on. Look who I have here. Look who I have here. Now, who could that be but Jesus? This is an action figure, a hero action figure. I think you can collect all 12 apostles. Judas must be a real wimp. I don't know, but... Uh, uh, but this is, you know what we do? So Jesus is kind of small, little, you know. So what do we do? We put him in our pocket. And that's where he lives, in our pocket. And then, you know, when we have, uh, you know, we, we need something good to happen in our lives. We need a good luck charm. So what do we do? Well, that's when we bring little Jesus out of, out of our pocket. And, we, you know, we hope that somehow some of Jesus will rub off, Right? Or, you know, we're in need of a, you know, a little lift, and, and uh, we need help with a particular problem, and uh, so we need, a, you know, we need some therapy. So what do we do? We bring out our little action figure and say, okay, Jesus, help me, help me. And then what do we do? We put him back in the pocket, and we forget about him, right? Until maybe we have another little problem, and then we bring little Jesus out again. <clears throat> So what do we do? We, we limit him, and we confine him, and we go about living our lives in our own wisdom and in our own power. We don't believe he's a wonderful counselor. We don't believe he's mighty God. So it's no wonder we get so discouraged. We suffer from LJS. LJS, Little Jesus Syndrome. We ought not to do that. How does Jesus feel? All cooped up in my pockets. Oh, wow. So we would do well to expand our vision of just how big Jesus is. He is the one who holds all power in His hand and is the one in whom literally Everything in heaven and earth is held together. We read Paul's letter to Colossians, and here I'm reading from the more modern translation from the message, and listen to Paul. He says, we look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created, for everything Absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. 
He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. This is a picture of Jesus as mighty God. How awesome is His power. <laughs> we don't have a clue how immense that power is. He even, you know, He, he even holds the universe together. He's holding right now the atoms of our body together. Do we believe that Jesus is all this and more? Do we really believe that He holds all power in His hand that, and that He can change our lives and He can change the world around us? Do we believe that He's big enough to, to come alongside us, to champ, be our champion as we meet the spiritual battles and challenges of this life? And do we look for His power, that mighty power to indwell in us through the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome our fears and our anxieties enable us to overcome temptation and all that would threaten to undo us? Do we believe that He will enable us to do far more abundantly than all that we would have thought of or asked? Do we believe that He is the sovereign Lord and that He will work His purposes out in your life and mine? Do we know that the whole world, indeed the whole universe, is in His hands. How big is your Jesus? How big is your faith? Amen.